Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a Fuda fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at fudafan.com. Hello, my name is Cray, and you can find me on Instagram at midaikat. Hi, I'm Elisa. I'm Inky Rocks on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, and this is episode 48. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is a specially early episode.、Uh, we did a recording last week, so、um, as everybody knows, our recording schedule is usually every two weeks. But with the new year, we thought we'd get together.、Um, we did this also last year.、Uh, we, we took a look back at 2020 last year, so this year we're going to take a look back at 2021.、Um, I'm going to see Uh, what were the trends、uh, last year?、Um, and also, maybe comment a little bit about our predictions from last year. Yes.、Uh, some were on and some were wildly off. Wildly off. And,、um, and then we're going to try to make some predictions again this year. Yes. So,、uh, without further ado,、um, let's look a bit at last year's predictions because I think we made several predictions at the end of last year's recording.、Um, I'm just going to, I just have some、uh, right here on the show notes. So last year,、uh, at the very end of the episode, we had all agreed that Drillog, right,、yes. was the breakout brand. They, they kind of debuted a few weeks before the Tokyo International Pen Show. And then it was really at the Tokyo International Pen Show、yeah. that they had their full lineup. They didn't even have their Twitter yet, but we kind of、um, thought that they would. Become this, the next thing just based on how cool they were, how cool、mm. they looked. We had a bit of issue with their pricing, but we thought that, you know, given the kind、mm. of engineering that they put into it, this would be a big thing. Now, Jacob, I remember you had a lot to say about Drillog. You, you made posts about Drillog. You, you actually were in contact with the folks at Drillog.、Yeah. How do you think this prediction came to pass? Yeah, so first of all, I think Alessa and I were the first ones to talk about、uh, Drillog. So, Alessa did the very first video, I believe, about Drillog, and I did、uh, the first review, and we talked about it on the podcast. Thinking back, I think Drillog is one of those products that demo well. There are certain technology products that demo very well. Like, you can have like, a video game that has these amazing graphics on the screen, but once you start playing it, it doesn't have very good gameplay. Like Cyberpunk. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Or, you know, it can be some like AI、uh, personal assistant that follows a scripted sequence on a, in a keynote perfectly well. But once you ask it for your local dentist, it doesn't know how to find it.、Right? That's sort of products that demo well but don't actually work as well as you had hoped when you actually use it yourself. I think Drillog is a little bit like that. It's not that it's a bad product, it's just that it's, once I used it, it wasn't quite what I. Thought it would be when I first tried it at Tips. Was there any thoughts from you?、Um, I think mine might be a little bit different in that I like the way it works and everything, but I think, you know, with the price, who it's going to appeal to, I think, is like people who like, like nice watches and kind of, for a lack of a better word, manly stuff. It's a little more manly than, say, a glass pen. And I think. That's who it's appealing to, someone who's got the, what do you call it, disposable income to pay the higher price and wants the, 
um, sleeker, more technologically forward glass pen. But then, you know, talking to Jacob here is Luman glass pen pretty much will performs the same at a much cheaper price, but you're not going to get, you know, that kind of, I don't know, nice watch kind of feel. Yeah. Just one more thing I would add, and maybe this is sort of jumping ahead a bit, but right now I think Drillog's biggest problem is Kakimori, and I think we'll yeah, get, get back yeah. to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that. Yeah, I think um, Drillog had several key issues. The first is that the product doesn't work as well as it advertised. Um, and as you said, the first time you use it, it, it works, but then to get it to consistently work it is a challenge. And um, second, you know, we, we talked about the price already. Thirdly, it's it's a very awkward size, right? It's it's either too small or it's too large. And most of the the pens, the handles were too small to actually hold comfortably, mm. especially since they also had the twists and the turns. And, you know, those aren't super comfortable shapes to hold to begin with. So, uh and, and the last thing I think is that Drillog only works in their Drillog system. And yeah, instead of Drillog, we had a competitor that came out with a very similar product, um, Kakimori. The nib looks less cool, but it works in your existing dip pens. Yes. It works in a bunch of different systems. And most importantly, it functions largely as advertised. I know that there are some batches where they had some problems, but I think the vast majority of those nibs out there are, are functioning um, the way that we would have wanted Drillog to function. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And I think one big advantage is, of course, the price. I mean, you, you can't overlook the fact that the Kakimori is like one fourth of the price or something like that. I think it's like a tenth price if you look at both nib and barrel yeah but the other thing is a lot of i think at least some of us who buy these depends that we use them to test inks and we want to test inks we want to see both thin and broad strokes and one of the things that the kakimori gives you is this line variation you can do it do these super broad strokes just to see how the, the ink shades and then you just do some thin strokes to like write down the ink yeah. Another prediction that Alessa, you made is that there's going to be death to shimmer. You said that shimmerings are on their way out. Uh, and I think um, I said that I didn't think it would be as prominent for the rest of the world, but I think the shimmer trend has just started in Japan. So looking back at your prediction, would you say that that came true or do you think well, um, I, I'm a little bit confused because I've been reviewing my video from last year, you know, and like finding my things that I did wrong from last year. But um, so I said on the podcast that yeah. Shimmer is on the way out. I think what I said on the video was basically that for glass pens, anything goes. And I think that's true. I'm, I'm, I mean, we've got ink, Shimmer ink with glue in it, you know, and I brought one where you put the Shimmer on top of the, the ink on the paper, but not actually in the pen. So yeah, I think for glass pens, shimmer did get crazier. And I had predicted that um, for fountain pens, it would calm down a little bit. And um, I think in Japan, it might've calmed down, but I mean, Golden Barrel kind of went ballistic with everybody this past year. And 
seem maybe because in the States shimmer isn't as big. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to gauge. So I gave myself a not right, not wrong partial on that one. But when you see people showing off this pelicaning that you're talking about on, on Instagram, especially in Japan, they're all using glass pens. And yeah, yeah. Pens. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I do think that um, in Japan, there's always been a bit of a hesitancy to use shimmer inks in fountain pens. Absolutely. I think, though, if we consider what Staya is carrying, so they're carrying the shimmer from uh, Ferris Wheel Press. Uh, they, they have a bunch of dominant industry now, which we'll talk about later as well. I think we're going to have to really dig into, okay, what are the stuff that's being used for the glass pen crowd? And what are the things that are being used for the fountain pen crowd? I will say, though, that head honcho of Wagner Mori is now more and more buying into the shimmer idea because also um, his apprentice Liktop is associated with tonal limbs, I think we're going to see him, or, or we have been seeing him trying to change that perception, whereas he used to be the one who said, no, shimmerings are bad, they're going to clog your pens, they're going to ruin your feeds. Whereas now he's like, oh yeah, actually shimmerings are okay in these pens that I sell. Yes, that's the big <laughs> asterisk stretch. First, it was only these... Uh, eyedropper pens that he sold, like the fine writing ones and I think the Opus ones. And now he started selling uh, uh, Otto Hut, I believe. And so now he's has discovered that actually you can use shimmering inks in Otto Hut pens as well. Yeah, so we'll see where that goes um, next year. But I think uh, overall shimmer is around. We'll, we'll see how it evolves or how it continues to evolve in the Japanese market this year as well. Uh, like we, we, we could say that when we went... When we went to the um, Tomoen Limbs event uh, last two weeks ago, last week I don't remember anymore. <laughs> you see that all the new um, Tomoen Limbs line with the glass pen maker, like most of them had shimmer inside, and if not one sh color shimmer, now the new trend is like two or three mix of color shimmer. It's like uh, same as the Sailor Pro Gear uh, <laughs> shimmering pen, like the more shimmering colors you have, the more fun it is. So I guess we, we could have uh, shimmering inks around for at least one or two years. I think one of the uh, trends that we did pick up on uh, and that we did predict accurately is having more of those color shifting, chromo shading inks. Uh, we can see that with um, just very recently the Yuramiku inks from Sailor uh, that show off these properties. Now, I know, Jacob, you found some good ones. For me, the papers that I, I used or the inks that I used kind of looked to me a bit like industrial wastewater. But, uh, you know, I can't deny that they do change their color um, based on when they dry and also the different types of um, paper that you use as well. So I think that's definitely a, a trend that we got right. Yeah, and I think the, the paper part there is important because that's, that seems to be part of the appeal that depending on which paper you use, you get dif different uh, behaviors. And this Takasago Premium Bank paper, as we talked about before, always seems to show off inks very differently than most other papers. Which is interesting because if you use some of the older inks, 
like uh, like let's say a Compeki or something from you know like a Diamine Majestic Blue or something, they show quite similar in most papers. I I almost feel like this. Oh, the color will look different depending on the paper that you use is almost a defect to me because I might not be using the same paper as the person who's swatching it. And as everybody knows, if you go into the shop and try to use their tester papers, it's always, you know, some random bad paper. So I, I, I like the chroma shading trend. I don't like the trend of it's going to look different depending on the paper that you use. For me, personally. One more thing about this chroma shading inks. Uh, I had expected um, retailers maybe in Japan or in the West to start carrying Fan Yan Tan. That seemingly hasn't happened. And I'm a bit surprised about that because you see a lot of these influencers, even in, in Japan, are people like Moe, who seems to be generally hesitant to buy things from overseas. She goes out of her way to order these inks from AliExpress or, or eBay because they are so interesting. So I don't actually understand why retailers haven't picked up this brand. Very few retailers pick up mainland Chinese brands though, because I think there's very difficult... Um, it, it's hard to communicate with with them because most of the time they don't have like a representative, right? It's, it's right. They're kind of faceless in that way. But yeah, I think that's interesting. So the next uh, thing that we discussed was the Sailor 110th um, pen and we, we all had different hopes. Uh, I wanted uh, different ni um, nibs. I think Alyssa, you said different nibs as well. Um, Koi, you just said more sparkles. <laughs> Um, and Jacob, you said like some uh, Realo King of Pen with with a Cobra nib, but then you said your realistic expectation was some bamboo pen with a Pro Gear nib, which is not that far away. Yes, which I think it is. It's the closest one of all of our predictions. But they didn't do different nibs. Um, in fact, the selection of nibs seems to even be reduced, and if we look at what's happened the last year, they've, they've not really put out anything interesting on the writing um, on the writing end of the pen, except for the reintroduction of the King of Pen Naginara on their Ebonite King of Pens, which now you can get even if it's not a limited or a special edition um, King of Pen, which, which used to be the case, right? right. So at least there's that, but um, Sailor 110th, I think, Jacob, you were uh, very, very close. I think you got 70% of the way there. <laughs> In terms of events, we predicted that all the events will still go forward um, and that they're going to hold the, these shows regardless of the pandemic. But we did not have Inking Kink last year. Uh, we did not have Statameru Kai last year. And um, some of the inks, uh, sorry, some of the events were postponed, um, especially the smaller events. Uh, but I think overall, 80% of these events did go forward, right? Yeah, one event that I, that I was hoping for but didn't happen was Kamihaku, right? That didn't happen. But, but there were also some new events this year that hadn't happened before, right? So Marizan's new autumn one, and then there was this writing tools market in Kyoto, for example. 
Yeah. Kamihaku got only online. Mm. Like the Tegamisha event too, you know. And today, I think today at 12, they are doing their online uh, uh, New Year um, market. Yeah. So I think generally Japan has controlled it okay, not the best. Um, especially the months leading to the Olympics were, were very bad. But the vaccination status of Japan is quite good. So that's definitely contributed to lowering the cases. Although with Omicron, we're seeing a rise of cases now. Um, I think still we'll have all the, all the events go on next year as well, similar to this year. Yeah, we still won't have ink, ink, ink this month, apparently. I asked Itoya a few weeks ago and they said, as far as we know, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. All right. The next thing that we discussed was the Platinum Limited Edition. Now, I made a wild prediction that didn't come true. I said that they were going to, or I hoped that they were going to move away from, from the overly funky designs that we saw on the Shi Un. I was wrong. Uh, they went even further down the deep end and came out with this swirly engraved um, model. Asa, you said that the reason why the Shin wasn't selling as well was not because of the shape, but because of the price. Now, the Kinshu was 40 to 50 US dollars more expensive than the Shin uh, last year. And we still see both of them in stores now, even though Marazen had tried to tell me that the Kinshu was really, really popular and they got tons of pre-orders. We still see that um, it's nowhere near the levels of, of um, Kampu, is nowhere near the levels of Rokka, uh, which again, um, especially for the Shein surprises me because it's purple. Um, but what do you think about this? I think absolutely still it's the price. Even though the Shiyun was purple, um, it didn't sell as well. And, you know, the, the fact that the Loka and the Kumpo sold really well tells me that people do want that kind of thing. But, you know, there's just, I mean, the pandemic's here. People, you know, lost jobs. And, you know, the price is a factor. And that's probably the biggest complaint I get all the time. I think when you report stuff, people think it's because you did it. <laughs> And people complain to me all the time about the rising prices of fountain pens. And I think that's what kept, kept both those not selling as well. Do you think somebody in, in Platinum, you know, looked at the Shun, looked at the sales of the Shun and went, hey, we actually messed up on prices because they, they increased the price for Kinshu? Yeah, and, and, and the jump between the Kumpo and like um, the Shiyun was huge. You know, it was right, like $100 it was or something. Right, yeah, yeah, it was really a lot. So it, was, it wasn't like this creep. It was like bing, all of a sudden it was a lot more expensive. So I think that hurt them. But I don't know, did they make more of the Shiyun and the Kenshu? I think they made a little bit more than the Kampu, but I don't think they made that much more versus the Rokka. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. I mean, I don't, I don't know, but um, I, I just don't know if that's since I don't actually know the numbers or stuff. I don't know, right. but my guess is that it's a price because that's the most common complaint I get. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if if these pens 
are still around next year. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we'll see. Um, maybe we'll do some digging around to see, you know, why these pens haven't sold versus the older ones. But, but have they released anything since then? Well, honestly, count the, the Wagner one. They haven't, right? Uh, at least not 3776s. Actually, that was something I was struggling with when I wrote my year-end blog post. I couldn't really find much to say about Platinum. Yeah, exactly. The, they haven't done anything. Right. Yeah, yeah. But about the kinship price, I think the elephant in the room here is the gold price, which actually has gone up very significantly this year. So I'm sure their own costs have gone up dramatically. And, and they have increased prices on, even on the baseline. I, mean, I think you talked about the core snips going up there. Starting at 16,000 yen or something like that now, right? And obviously, the Kinshi has the more elaborate design as we're talking about, so that probably adds, adds to the cost. So, uh, yeah, if I, if I was running a fountain pen company and I thought that one of my competitive ad advantages was in house gold nibs, I would be very worried about gold prices going forward and I would be thinking about what I could do to perhaps use alternatives and I think that's going to be a big headache for Platinum maybe even more so for Sailor because they have less interesting um, and less interesting lineup on the low end but I think that's going to be a problem for all of these hunter pen makers other trends we saw uh, we said that la um, last year was going to be the year of the paper I think in part that's come true we, we've seen some new paper we've seen um Personally, I like the B7 Tranex. We saw Aerofill. We saw the um, Perpenep, which is a terrible name. Um, and we also saw the new or the development of the new, new Sanzen Tomoe River successor. Interestingly, I think MD didn't release a standard line of new papers. I think they released some special editions, but they didn't release a standard line of new papers. Although MD's lineup is already very strong. Um, they did have this 70th anniversary. Yes. There were some like memo pads or whatever yeah. it was. Well, I, I went there and it's, it's actually a collection of their existing papers. Yeah. And they were all quite um, fountain pen friendly. I really liked that. My personal um, hope was that I wanted fountain pen friendly washi paper, mm. which does exist, but it's not, it's not common. Um, so I'm still on the hunt for that. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, maybe we're jumping ahead, but I think the Toma River drama was, was one of the biggest stories of this year with a happy ending. So we'll yeah. get back to that. But you, you're, you're the paper guy of, of all of us here, Jacob. You've tested like hundreds of thousands of, of different specimens of paper in like different sizes. So what do you think about your prediction? Because this was your prediction. Well, I think it has been a year of the paper, mostly because of Tom River, because people thought that the paper was going away. People, they forced themselves to try various alternatives, which actually I think has been a positive thing. You have seen reviews and discussions about all kinds of paper alternatives, and, and that's what I enjoy talking about, all the various kinds of papers that you don't normally talk that much about. So you mentioned B7 Tranex, this B7 Bulky, Cosmo Air Light has been a big favorite this year, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was very fun to to uh, test. We we did this test last uh, summer, and I'm still sorry I haven't post all the result, like my result. But it was nice to discover um, like um, 
lots of different paper that you you have like a, st a stack of notebooks you never open them and then you're like okay why not trying some fountain pen inside and Subame for example uh, it was nice to come back to them because I have so many of them and um, I, I guess we're still going on in this direction for this year maybe we will have some washi with golden leaf fountain pen friendly paper we'll see we'll see so what about you? Have you been testing paper in the last year? Oh, I'm just going to go stick my neck out. This past year was the year of the paper, and this coming year will be another year of the paper, and it won't go away. I think the Tomoa River controversy is kind of leavening, and it's just causing people to try different kinds of paper and people to produce different kinds of paper. And, um, yeah, we're going to see a lot, a lot more on the paper front. Like uh, uh, Traveler Notebooks released two series of limited edition um, notebooks. The one, f uh, the B side one, who has a different um, like f uh, folding accordion foldings, uh, wash washable paper, like the one who can go in the in the laundry machine and stuff like that. And um, they then they did this ten years uh, Traveler Factory anniversary uh, ten edition, and you have one with golden leaves, for example, uh, one neon neon papers. They are not all fountain pen friendly, but you can, yeah, you can play with them. Yeah. And, uh, and the last thing we wanted, we, we, we wanted to happen was that we said it would be um, the year where Taiwanese stationery really comes out onto the market. I don't think that actually came true. Um, I think that the the Taiwanese have continued to do interesting stationary products, um, but I don't think they've kind of come out onto the market as strongly as maybe they could have with all their creativity. Um, so so it's still very much within the pinkoi purchasing sphere, but not really jumping out. But I will say there's been a breakout year for one brand that we didn't even talk about last time, which is Mr. Cypress. That's true. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? You have some Mr. Cypress pens. Yeah, exactly. I have a one incoming, a bamboo pen <laughs> incoming, actually. It's somewhere in Kotoku right now. Yeah, they made this, uh, they have a few like, base models, and then they do this elaborate uh, bamboo, wooden, uh, urushi, now more recent uh, metal designs. And they're all absolutely beautiful, and I think they are fairly aggressively priced, given how much, I mean, work goes into these pens and using a lot of influencers showing off their Mr. Cypress pens and the pen addicts he was reviewing a Mr. Cypress pen they have um, had a good year I think yeah and also I, I do want to point out their work is very um, precise with their rod end work I think one mm. of the most interesting things that they do is they take um, they take custom requests for Rodden work. So mm. I saw pictures of somebody who had his dog rodded onto a pen, and the detail was stunning. I mean, they use a laser cutter, but still, I think you know, with that level of detail, it's it's incredible. And that's something Hiroka would never do, not because she necessarily can't, but because she she just doesn't want to. Yeah, and also Hiroko doesn't have the kind of machinery to do right, right. this like cutting thing as well. And motifs are always very, very difficult. So with what Mr. Cypress does at such an affordable price too, right? Yeah. I mean, the prices are, are incredible. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree that Mr. Cypress broke out in a huge way. Yeah. Um, 
some of the other trends. Uh, I took some of these from your blog, Jacob. You want to talk a little bit about Pilot? Yeah, I think Pilot had a very good year. Um, there's always been this complaint that even though Pilot has a, has a wide variety of models, there's this, you know, 10,000 to 30,000 yen or like 100 to $300 price range where it's mostly black and gold, especially if you want interesting nibs, it's mostly black and gold. People have been asking for like a custom model or a, in some cases a capitalist model with more interesting colors. And that's what I think Pilot delivered this year with these two SE models, which we covered in the previous podcast. Um, and also, they, they, I mean, one of the big, big news stories this year was that after, I don't know, a decade, they finally refreshed the Irishizuku ink lineup, which was a big surprise to everyone. Um, the new ink seems to be well-received, at least in Japan. Um, I've seen a lot of videos where people are praising the new inks. And then, of course, this is more Japan-specific, but their limited editions this year have been absolutely fantastic. I mean, we covered the Marathon Spring event when they had that Tsuya, Tsuya Midori Urushi pen. It sold out very fast. They had that Usagia Capitalist pen with its glass flakes uh, glitter. It sold out very fast. They had the Tokyo Renga Marathon pen. Um, and then, of course, the one that we've been talking about for the last few weeks is the um, Capitalist Bamboo Forest, which is only sold like every year at least for the last three years, maybe longer, Pilot does a limited edition capitalist and it's only sold at brick-and-mortar retailers that have like Pilot-trained or Pilot-authorized sales staff, which, which means Marazen and Idoya, maybe Nagasawa and a few more. And they were selling this bamboo forest starting like December 19th and it's mostly sold out everywhere now. And, you know, it's all over Instagram already. People are going nuts about the bamboo forest. And also not to mention, they also have the two Hachimonjia special uh, mm. Decimo pens. They had uh, the SE in Capless as well, which I think is is one of the better Caplesses that they that they did. Yeah. Remember, I did not like the SE material when it came on the 91, but the SE on the Capless, I think, really works. Mm. Capless is, I mean, come on, it's, it's a funky pen. And then having a funky material on it, I, I just feel like that works really well. And and you know, I, I think really the SE material is almost made for for the capless. So I, I agree. We've not seen Pilot come out so strongly, mm. even in their one hundredth year anniversary That's true. on on um these releases. So it's almost like this is what all this is what the pilot fans wanted for their hundredth year anniversary and finally um as you said on on the on the on the blog it seems like they're almost waking up a bit to to the trends um and i i still think this is not enough it's it's the it's a step in the right direction but hopefully we'll get more of that next year as well one thing I'm hoping for in particular is that, you know, they had this new brand in Japan called Ilmili, which is this... Yeah. Like, right now, there, there are no fountain pens there, but you go to these retail stores and have this Ilmili ballpoints and notebooks and all, all very colorful, all very pretty. I'm hoping that they will introduce fountain pens and inks under that Ilmili brand, because that can't be black and gold. It would not... You can't have an Ilmili black and gold pen. <laughs> yeah, and... I'm actually surprised I haven't seen more 
Ilmili because I feel like they they had a big splash last year at um at Bungajoshi mm. and I hadn't really heard much news about them since. But if you look at Pilot's Instagram, they're actually pushing quite a lot of creators' work um, using their fountain pens and inks. So yeah. Betchery did something for them. Um, they had just uh, just a post this morning. Uh, their New Year post uh, was by this, I guess, uh, lady Mar Maria Jose. Um, and I really think that we can see more of uh, of fountain pen oriented stuff because if if you just look at their Instagram, their last nine posts, four of them, uh, five of them were fountain pen posts. Mm. So, given the size of Pilot, given the diversity of things that they do, uh, I think this is very encouraging mm. that they're they're kind of leaning into their fountain pen heritage. Mm. All right. Um, next thing, uh, could you want to talk about this uh, uh, fukubukuro thing? Um, yeah. So there is a tradition in Japan for the first year, of, uh, first days of the new year, where you go in uh, most of the mall, uh, for, starting from tomorrow because today is a holiday, um, and you got this uh, surprise bag. So the fukubukuro, where you pay a certain amount, like 5,000 yen, 100,000 yen, 200,000 yen, and you don't know what's in the bag, but the value is more than what you pay for because it's all the uh, last year uh, unsold, usually, usually um, stationary stuff. Like, so many stationary uh, shops start to do it before the, the end of the year online. You can pre-book or pre-order uh, there was a limited amount, like for for example, Yama, Yamamoto papers. One one was about uh, fountain pen papers only, and the other one was about notebooks. And the fountain pen one got sold out in less than two or three hours. They had a limited uh, amount of uh, these bags, and so it's quite popular. Like some people, I think, go up really early. I guess Apple Apple Store used to have this Fukuro Yeah, those box. are super popular. People line up across in like overnight. Yeah, I guess so. And um, and many many like it's a quite a big tradition. And many shop like uh, I saw um, Hashimonjia has some online you can order and order like Pentonote or Nagasawa. You have to go uh, in shop. So um, are you going to get some tomorrow? Well, the ones I would want are, are already sold out, but I think the, the modern take on this Fukubukuro is that you know the main item in the bag, mm-hmm. right? So that's the case with Yamamoto, there's also the case with Madison. Madison sold like a five different ones. So for example, I think there's one for 100,000 yen. Like you don't buy something for 100,000 yen and don't know what it is, right? So you know actually in that case that you're getting a pilot, sorry, a platinum, I think 100th anniversary, like a silver pen, uh, which of course is actually worth 100,000 yen, and then you're getting a bunch of other stuff which you don't know what it is, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's a good deal. I think those kind of Kubuko deals uh, tend to be very popular. Yeah. Has that been sold out yet? It's sold out very fast. So even, you know, such an expensive Fukubukuro, um has strong appeal, and obviously the Fukubukuro idea, it, it's not new, right? It, it's a tradition in Japan. Yes, yeah, it's a tradition. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll see some inks, uh, tonal limbs. Maybe we'll do it uh, next the, year. I think there are uh, Okamoto. Yeah, they are doing something. Uh, I saw on their Instagram. 
and I thought it would be more ink, but it's more like pen and accessories, and then maybe one bottle of ink. So I was mm. more like I, I would like a bag with like twenty inks inside <laughs> to play with. All right. Um, next thing, uh, I think maybe we can safely say that Ink Numa is kind of dead. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean the event. Oh, the okay. Event. I was is dead. I mean, <laughs> did you just get up? <laughs> no. So, so um, in previous years, we'd always have this huge uh, Ink Numa event at uh, around um, the end of summer, um, early early fall. But this year, instead, it was at uh, Shinjuku Odakyu. It was part of a greater stationary event. Um, and from what I understand, it was actually much smaller um, and maybe a bit less interesting than the previous Ink Numa events where they had all these glass pens and these um, limited edition inks. I don't think it was necessarily smaller. It was a pretty big venue, but, but the first thing you saw when you entered was like, table after table with like washi tape and, and, and stuff and you had to walk a bit to, to find the inks and, uh, and, and the pens. I actually had a lot of fun at the Inkunuma and Deco event. Um, they still had a lot of, they didn't have quite as much of these like Gotoji ink that we talked about before during these regional exclusives, but they still had some very sought after inks and you could see people just, just running toward the tables and they grabbed the last few bottles while people were standing there talking. There was, people almost got into fight over the last few bottles of like, Bungu Joshi ink. And I enjoyed talking to Sake Technical Paper. So that was a fun event. Um, yeah, I would hope for more Kotoji inks next year but even if they do the same thing this next year I will still go definitely it was a stationary show that's what it was and I think you know the ink the last two Inkanumas they were the only two I mean it's not like a long tradition of it and I think they might have learned something this year that when they did open the doors people were like killing for those special inks Mm -hmm. so I think they're going to be more ink heavy next year if they've learned anything from this year but um I, I think it was just a, an adjustment, and I think part of it is like, you know, you had the Gotoji inks. Mm. Once you've gone to one Ikonuma and tried to get, get some of them, you're just going to go back and get the same ones, and I think maybe that's why they scaled it back. But it definitely wasn't Ikonuma. It was a it was a stationary show. Yeah, but like then the inks show. were just hard to get, you know, yeah. so I think that might maybe change. Yeah, I think one interesting contrast between that event and the Tono Limbs event is that for the Ikonuma, People actually went there, I think a lot of people went there for the inks and they were running for the inks while at Tono Limbs where they had so much ink. People did not go there for the inks, they went there for the glass pens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we'll see, we'll see how they um, play the format next year. Mm. Um, but yeah, Bunga Joshi is, is, not out of the, is not out of the fountain pen and inks um, game yet, uh, but they might be uh, readjusting how they how they do their formats. Mm. All right. Um, last thing that I wanted to talk about uh, for the trends is the rise of dominant industry. Sorry, that's a. I really wanted to say that. <laughs> no, you need to do an evil laugh after that. All right, let, let me let me do that again. <laughs> 
the rise of dominant industry. <laughs> All right. Um, so dominant industry uh, is a Korean brand, um, and they make a bunch of inks. The first thing that and I, I became aware of this brand maybe uh, four or five months ago when they first uh, got out into the market. They were doing a lot of paler, similar to Japanese inks, but with some shimmers. They had uh, like some sheening inks as well, and they seemed very well behaved. At that time, I didn't think that they would be as huge as they are now. But are they huge in Japan? Most of, most of the coverage of dominant industries that I see has been in the West. I know like Brad Audi did a review, he, he loved how well behaved he was. And it's a lot of, lot of uh, you see them a lot on Instagram, but it's not so much in Japan. Also. Well, they start, they're when, starting in Japan. When I went to um, Bungu Joshi Haku, they actually sold out of several colors. In, um, and I was the first block of the first day. So it's, um, it's definitely, I think, going to be a huge attraction um, along with Ferris wheel press in Japan. The, the, the bottles, the shapes, they, they look like nail polish bottles. And, um, and the colors are very appealing, I think, to a Japanese market. So I think, you know, Korean ink makers, I think Korea has really established itself as a strong ink making industry uh, with Tonal Limbs now, with, uh, with, um, with Colorverse, now with Dominant Industry as well. Three I think, Oyster. Yeah, Three Oyster, although they're a bit smaller. But I think they are, it, it's safe to say that the Korean market is really on top of this ink game. Yeah, I think that's true, and they are, we talked about that before the show, but in general, I think they're much better than the Japanese brands about like, reaching out to like, social media influencers and, and getting people to, to talk about them, right? And I think that has served them well. Yeah, and um, I, I went to Ginzatsutaya um, yesterday, two, two days ago, and uh, you can see that they have a lot of uh, this uh, small, not small, but um, not as known Korean brand than Colorverse, for example. And uh, we were talking with Alicia before that we think that the new game is, is not only the ink and the um, like shimmer or sheening, but the, the bottle, the bottle size and the bottle shape. This is like, we will see more and more, I think, a lot of brand that already on the market, like Krishna, the Indian brand, or uh, Kakimori uh, this year, um, yeah, most of them like redesign their glass bottle to make something like like a collection object, like a miniature perfumes object, and it will start to get more and more. And I think people are looking for that. They they don't want them just to be stackable and practical. They want them to be beautiful, and they want them to be a nice object on their desk. I want them to be stackable and square. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. But uh, just one more thing about that. I mean, we have talked so much about how popular tonal limbs are, and they are popular, and they have, you know, and big reason, as we talked about, is their ability to do these small runs, collaborating with everyone. But what they don't have, what they don't have, 
is interesting ink bottles, right? So I, I wonder if now when you see Sumatra Ferris Wheel Press in particular, but also about this Korean brand, if you're going to see some, if you're going to see Tony Lim's um, stepping up their bottle game. They need to. They need to, yeah. All right. Um, so next we're going to get into kind of the review of our own year. Uh, I think I can speak for everybody when I, I say that the story of the year for everybody was the Sanzen Tomoe River. Mm-hmm. Well, first was the discontinuation of yeah. Tomoe River and then the pickup by Sanzen. And you guys broke that, right? I mean, it was basically your, your thing. I think that was the first... I believe so. The first I heard, yeah. So, I mean, that's kudos to you guys. I mean, that's really important information, and you guys are on top of it. I mean, mostly Jacob, to be honest. (laughs) He actually went out and contacted all these folks involved. Jacob, what do you think? Do you think that has been the story of the year? I think so, and I'm glad that it got a happy ending. But I've been so surprised about the sheer amount of misinformation uh, about this whole story even after we covered it multiple times as seen on major blogs and on like podcasts the people have completely got the wrong story i'm really surprised about that um but so for other stories i think i think there are a few more interesting stories this year one is that sailor or perhaps plus opened a retail store i think that that's a very interesting strategy yeah um any other interesting stories that we want to talk about from this year? Uh, maybe um, all this uh, uh, event, physical event uh, <laughs> or fair must uh, revise how they they keep people waiting in line. <laughs> oh, the Christmas party story. Yeah. <laughs> and, You're the one that <laughs> And to learn for next year and the next next year to to find kind of simpler system on yeah. You, you said in the last episode, yeah. so... Um, I don't know if it's the story of the year or the scandal of the year. <laughs> um, for me, the scandal of the year was... I mean, it must have been the Moon Man Kaveco controversy, right? Really? I, I, w- I would say it's uh, Jovo Crack Nibs. Oh, yeah, Jovo Crack... Um, Cracked housing, uh, that's, a, that's also a big controversy. And the, and the Mont Blanc uh, Ingate. Oh, that's not a good one. Yes. Yeah, those, those are pretty good ones. Um, so, Alyssa, any, any uh, contenders from you for the scandal of the year? Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's above the scandal. <laughs> she's flying in the clouds. A lot of them, though, I think I, I got asked about that a lot. And when I do research them, like, this is what made you guys' like, the, the Tomoa Tomo River mm. paper thing legit is you actually went to the source, you got the real information. Mm. If you look up... Yeah, if you look up all the other ones, I mean, I was going to try to attempt them, but a lot of them were just people's opinions. Mm. And I think that got twisted around. When you reported the facts, people kind of interpreted it with their own opinion. And that was part of the whole thing. It was really hard to find solid information on, you know, it was just people had their anecdotes or whatever. Mm. And like, for instance, like the cracked cracked, uh, housing. You know, people have like 30 of them. They would talk, I have like 30 of them. And I mean, I searched through all of mine. I didn't have any. That doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah. or anything. But it was just really hard to trace down like the facts. Yeah. And then you guys had the facts. And so it was easy to kind of talk mm. about it. But talking about these other controversies, they're just, they're people's opinions. Yeah, that's you know? true. And that makes it harder to, to 
to call it a controversy for me. So that's why I'm just kind of mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'll listen to them, but I don't have really any opinions on them. All right, all right. Um, then we're going to go into uh, the paper of the year, our personal best and worst. Um, <laughs> and I want to just go around the, the table. So maybe, Jacob, you can start first. What was the uh, best paper and the worst paper? So do you mean like new releases this year? No, just, just what you liked. You know, I recently picked up one of those Midori MD paper pads that I haven't used in a while and realized that how much I like that paper. It might be my overall favorite. All right, and, and what about the worst? I will refuse to answer that one. <laughs> All right, he defers. Oh, I'm next. You're next. It, it, for me, it's a, since now it's the new successor, it's probably a tie between the successor and uh, Takasago Premium. And I like that paper just because of the feel. It feels really good. The worst, hands down, for every year has been Mont Blanc. Mont <laughs> paper? You have some? No, I, I just tried it at the store in front of the salespeople, and it bleeds and feathers all over the place, and they look at you straight in the eye and go, yeah, it's great paper. So, yeah. to be fair, that is not that is not unique to to Mont Blanc. So, I mean, we, when we went to Pelican Hubs, what everyone has had the same experience, I believe, was when you get these notepads. That paper is terrible. <laughs> and actually, if you go to like Marzen and, and you test paper, I think like a sailors paper pad, it's, it's terrible. It's too. terrible. Like, oh, well, really? <laughs> how, how how can this be? I, I don't know. Isn't that funny? You'd think that they'd be detail oriented about yeah. something like that. Only the one who use the MD pad are good. You know, you have this uh, cream MD pad, and only, and usually it's for stamping. They would put the MD pad, uh, like traveler notebooks, they would, because they, ha they use MD papers, they would put the MD pad so you can stamp uh, their limited edition stamp. Then I was like, yeah, but there's no fountain pen here to try, because <laughs> this is the paper to try fountain pen. Yeah, but um, some do have Tomer River yeah. pads. I think those are pretty good, but yeah, I, I, I would agree. And Your best and worst paper? Best, I stay with MD and uh, Tomori River, of course, uh, but the worst is still for me the 365 fountain pen uh, pad. It's huge. It's a, it's a thick one. I think it's like five or six centimeters of, of paper pad. And it's the worst. The, the, it's like an onion skin, but it doesn't have the capacity of an onion skin to keep the, the ink on the page. It's just go through three, four, six page and I don't know why. And it's for fountain pen. Where do you get this at? I think I got mine in Kingdom Note, if I'm not wrong. Oh, it was I'm a long time to ago. Try it now, but right? I still have this. I can bring it for you. I still have it. So I use it. It's, it's quite thin. So I use it to wrap. Like I make small envelopes to wrap stickers and stuff like that. Because I cannot write on it. <laughs> yeah, I want to change my answer. I agree with Que. That is the worst paper. And I, yeah, I remember why I bought it. Because I love... I lo um, Everyone who makes paper out there, please make an A6 plain notebook so I can fit it in my Hobonichi cover. But I don't want grid, I don't want lines, I don't want anything, just a plain one. And it's why I bought this one, because it's an A6 format. But it's the worst paper ever. Yes. <laughs> my personal best paper, I'm not going to say Sanzen Tomaru, although I thought it was pretty good, um, just because it's not out on the market yet. Um, I don't think I can consider Tomoe River to be the best paper this year, also because, uh, you know, they switched to machine number nine, and most of machine number nine paper was pretty rubbish. So I'll say for me, one of Jacob's personal favorites, Grafilo, uh, 
I've been using a Grafilo notebook. I, I like it quite a lot. It's, it's very decent. Obviously, I still also have my Tomo River notebooks. Um, but I, I think Grafilo is pretty decent. It was a discovery of the year for me. Um, a little bit expensive, but that's okay. I think the worst paper of the year for me was Iroful, aka Cosmo Airlight. Yeah, it was Cosmo Airlight, yeah. Um, for me, was was absolutely uh, not my favorite. Obviously, you can still write with fountain pens on it, so it's not as bad as yours. Yeah, um, <laughs> but of the ones that I bought, it's definitely not my favorite of all time. I think it was funny we did this podcast episode when the first time you tried it and you said it was terrible and like in the, the next sentence was I'm going to do a giveaway of Iroful paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people like Cosmo Air Light, so why not? All right, um, so the ink brand of the year, the best and the worst, and I want everybody to give a brand and an ink that they liked or did not like. So um, maybe we'll switch up the order. Uh, maybe Quay, you, uh, you can go first. Yeah, I'm curious on Quay's answer. Best, uh, my best ink of the year. Ah, difficult. Uh, ink brand first. What's your favorite brand from the year? And then one ink. So difficult. <laughs> I know that's that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. that's a very tough one. Um, I guess. Like the the brand I bought the most this year was Tonon Lim. Yeah, I I I, I guess I have. Even Get her out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts. I, I I came back on my picture too to see what's happened. It started on the eighth of January when we went with Akane to Okamotoya, and I thought I bought. I start the year with like buying ten bottles of ink. And I, yeah, one of the color I really like was um, you got it for me, Alicia. Is the the limited edition red. Uh, what's the name? It's one of the super yeah super tea yeah exactly superstar super or something and it's uh, like a very rich uh, dark red or wine red uh, and um, a lot of sheening inside and it's one color that I came back uh, quite often and I have like hundreds of bottles I I for, yeah, I don't remember some I don't even open them yet <laughs> from 2021. Well, what about your worst um, ink brand? I, I guess Mont Blanc was quite um, the deception uh, last year um, because I, I used to have some of their limited edition. I like the shape, the small bottle, and to see that they have this uh, Mont Blanc gate. And thanks to Fontaine Pence Mem, who yeah. who did all the research and and the comparison, it was a yeah, it was a bit bitter to see that this kind of big brand don't really care about what is a limited edition and just try to resell some of their colors in a new label and new name. Yeah. So, so big that deception. Was, that was proof. That was proof. Yeah. They, they admitted. Yeah. That. They admitted. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the item codes were the same. The item codes are the same and they, they, they answer, you can, sh- you can read on the Fontaine, Fontaine Pence. Did, did they apologize? No, they no, said, they just what, say. What, what they said was, and, and maybe I'll just read it because we didn't actually um, cover uh, Mont Blanc Gate. But Fountain Pen Memes, good friend of the podcast, actually, um, did a, he, he did a, a bunch of um, comparisons people were submitting uh, to him. But the first one was um, the James Dean Rebel Red and Mont Blanc Scarlet Red, which had the same chromatography, the same product number. And Mont Blanc uh, said, 
Well, he, he, he mentioned Montblanc and then he messaged them in August. He said, it would be nice if you released a statement on this. And then um, Montblanc wrote, Hi, as a matter of fact, you are absolutely correct in your assumption, albeit James Dean Inc. has been discontinued from the Montblanc assortment and has been replaced by C. Doyle Inc. slash Scarlet Red. Creative Direction shares analogous inspirations for these additions. Therefore, it leads to the same type of hue for these two inks. We, wel- we look forward to welcoming you to one of our boutiques or authorized retailers. <laughs> <laughs> and they did it for five colors and all, all the limited edition post-2018, right? Well, actually, not just five colors, but um, the James Dean and Scarlet Red. Actually, there's a third um, ink, Conan Doyle Scarlet Red, uh, as well as the new uh, Zodiac Tiger Red ink. It's all the same ink. Yeah. Well, I I had the James Dean and I didn't like it. I ended up dumping a bunch of black ink into it. Yeah, but I think those are pretty good. Yeah, that's um, actually that's a that's a pretty big story there. I mean, yeah. they, they yeah. fessed up to it, you know. Yeah, I think my uh, best uh, ink brand of the year, although um, I haven't bought too many, I think Dominant Industry uh, is is quite good. I, I tried some of their inks. It, it's very nice. It, it works very well. Um, my personal favorite was the Sunset. Uh, which I think is one of their most popular. It's this pale um, purple ink with, with glitter. I, I really like that. My personal worst brand, worst ink brand of the year, uh, I think has to be Sailor. And my least favorite ink from Sailor this year, and this is probably one of the only reasons why they're on the, that list, is the Marazen Hayashi mm-hmm, Rice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so terrible. I mean, it's not a nice color, but it was so bad about it. It's just not a nice color. That, yeah, that's the only thing, nice. yeah. And it looks like Hayashi rice, though. Yeah. Looks like Hayashi yeah. rice. It's, it's not what I want to write with. Well, it says and, in the label, Hayashi rice, so... I, I, I'm hoping that next year's color will be nice. Yeah, really. I think really. it's quite blue, no? Yeah, they, it's they like put a on sky the, blue. Yeah, sky blue. They put on the, on the advertisement paper. Yeah. But just to mention that Dominant Industry, they said on their box, it's deep pen friendly uh, ink so just that people don't start to mix uh, like you can try of course you can put in your fountain pen but they mention is for deep pen so I, I believe the pearl series is okay for fountain pens as well but whatever series the hologram mm. is is not for your uh, yeah pens. this day but on most of their bo- box they print ink for deep pen so just to be sure that you try on a cheap pen or something not to destroy your new uh, expensive uh, yeah. Christmas gift. All right. Um, Jacob. Well, I'm not as much into inks as uh, the, the two Inkunumas here, but my... <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, some bottles here. My favorite brand was probably Tag because of how much they have improved. That's interesting because you hated Tag. I did. And I mentioned that multiple times on the podcast, like the early ones, like Gion. Gion in particular was this example of this so dry, like border, borderline unusable ink. Like, they were pretty if you just use like a folded nib, but in a fountain pen it, it was hard to use, right? They have improved so much and, and the most recent releases this year, they have beautiful colors. One thing they always done very well is that they got this whole shading thing right, right? They're still fairly light, 
somewhat mute, but that gives you a very pretty shading. But now they're much more fountain pen friendly. It, it flows better in fountain pens. I particularly uh, like these inks they did with uh, Ginsat Staya. I can't even remember the name because they're so long. Edo something something, Poppy something something. Uh, I like those. As for worst, I'm not sure if there's anyone that's, that's if worst is the right word, but most disappointing might, might still be sailors. I would agree with you, see why. And what I'm having in mind specifically is this, you know, this like Minamo 10 plus 3 series that we talked about and was such a good oh, idea. Yeah, I remember that. It was such a good idea, right? So, so, I mean, if you ask yourself, how can a company like Sailor sell low-end pens that compete with the likes of Moonman and so on. Well, one way is to bundle them with inks and have like an Inkunuma kit. And they kind of did that. They bundled this Prophet Junior with three bottles of ink, but, it, but they, just, they were just re-bottled Ink Studio inks. And it was like a plain red, plain blue, and plain green. It was like they... The most boring ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, the one the, we the, never use. <laughs> the idea was so good, but execution was disappointing. Yeah, but Sailor go back on track with the their line of um, uh, this one, the Yume. Uh, Yume. Yeah, they, they had recovered. They, so I agree. For me, they saved the, their year with this line because I was quite upset by their color uh, of the Maruzen too. And um, the one for tips was nice, but already seen like this green uh, shading uh, to purple, purplish uh, color. You, you see them a lot in Sailor. And this line, at least, they, they say, okay, let's play. What does the people love? This one, two, three, uh, one, six, two from Studio Line, and they really make this nine color shade, like lot of shade, lot of uh, changing color. And I think they, let's say, just uh, get out from 2021 uh, with the head out of the water. <laughs> yeah, Elsa, your. Brand of the year, ink brand of the year. I'm going to kind of semi-tie it here, but um, I kind of agree with Tag, and, and mainly because um, they seem pretty innovative in some pretty weird ways. They were the ones that came out with that natural um, ink fountain pen ink a couple years ago with the with the caterpillar poop. Yeah, and all that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they did get better on their dryer inks, and then they uh, really have spearheaded the little teeny tiny bottles that you can get a set nice. of, and then they did the... Um, glue glitter ink where you it's got glue in it so that when you use the glitter ink it doesn't it doesn't come off at all but then you got to be you know it's supposed to be with the glass pen but you can put it in a fountain pen for about an hour and then you got to clean it out really good and then they also have they're, they're just pushing the envelope on ink they have one where it's the sticks and you use the ink stone yes. and you make your own colored inks with the ink stone and that's just I mean that's just really pushing the boundaries there so I I, I really uh, like that as far as um, worst ink, it's probably going to be Noodlers. Yeah, Noodlers up there for me as well. All right. Yeah, I think Tag and Kakimori um, they put the, the bar really high in this um, aesthetic. And uh, like, it's not only the product himself, not the ink, but all the packaging, the bottle, the, the catalog. Like the website, like they they knew how to, yeah. They they really they knew how to. You pay for something is is the whole uh, experience. It's not just the product, and it's quite good.
and even the retail store is just absolutely yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's it probably is. my favorite stationery store in Tokyo. Yeah, Kakimori is. Yeah. Although speaking of Kakimori, I'm surprised you didn't talk about the Evil Ink. <laughs> Uh, but, but, but I like it's that one because it's it serves a purpose. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's evil. It's you perfect. like it because it's bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to test paper is the, is the best. All right. Um, and uh, the big one. Uh, pen brand of the year slash pen of the year. Uh, the, first, I want to get your pen brand of the year. Um, and then the pen of the year does not have to be uh, does not have to be from that brand. So this is your personal favorites. It's not a. It's not a um, indication on, on the market. It's just what you like this year. Maybe Elsa will go with you first. No, I'm passing. <laughs> I didn't think. Okay. I'm furious. Uh, maybe I'll go first on this. Um, I think for me the uh, pen brand of the year for me personally. Um, let me start with region. I somehow started this year with zero Italian pens and end up with like 15. I've really been into the Italian brands, um, Aurora. Uh, I've been, I, 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 I'm not into Visconti, but somehow I have four of them now. And I think the pen brand of the year for me has been Leonardo personally, because I think uh, last year, they were still trying to experiment with, you know, making pistons and, and all of that. Uh, they had a lot of cool materials, but none of them really were for me. None of them really spoke for me. Again, I, I want an ink window or at least an ink view um, and, and some kind of self-contained um, self-filler. This year with the Memento Magico, I think they've solved a lot of those problems. First of all, the grip section in the, in the previous Memento Zeros, it kind of dipped inwards. Um, Jacob, you have one right there, which dips inwards, which was kind of like a funky grip. The Momentum Magico flares outwards is more of a standard grip, which I really like. It has an, an ink window. And uh, I've actually commissioned uh, Leonardo to make me several pens, uh, which should be coming sometime in the next year, I hope. Uh, I have today with me a... Uh, Leonardo Memento Zero in the Omas Wild um, material, which which is uh, fantastic material. So for me, they've been the the breakout, uh, or at least my pen brand of the year. Um, the pen of the year for me um, is probably my Montblanc One Four Six uh, with the Rankaku finial that I did. Um, I just really uh, enjoy that pen. I think it has the perfect weight to it. Similar to the fine writing um, Bronze Age ones, which are uh, cap heavy. I really like how it's cap heavy. It's heavy towards the front. But then when you uncap it, it becomes a balanced pen. So that's what I really like. So for me, that those are the, the best. In terms of the worst, uh, I have to say again, Sailor. I think the 110th uh, pens were too bulky, um, too huge. The pen looked, the, the nib looks mismatched. It's obviously not a pen for writing because of the step down. And I think their take on that Ohashido design um, actually made it a bit worse because of how sharp that step down was. So when I held it in my hand, for me, it was 
was no go for me. Such a small nib with such boring um, nib options. And then later on in the year, they came, came out with these ebonite pens, which again, were too long. Uh, look, you could see clearly the machining marks on them. Again, with, with just very boring. Um, they didn't even have their full lineup of their smaller Pro Gear, um, Pro Gear full-size nibs. So I think outside of the store exclusives, which were exciting, uh, they didn't really refresh a lineup um, or, or they did refresh their lineup, but not to something that I enjoyed. So I would agree with you that um, Leonardo has been a very interesting brand this year. It, that brand wasn't really on my radar at all. Now I have three of them, and I agree that the new model, Momentum Magico, in particular, is, I mean, it's almost a flawless pen, right? It, it has everything you want. Um, I was going to say that my favorite brand was Pilot for the reasons I explained on the blog and for what we talked about here, but then I thought about it and I changed my mind and now I'm going to say Pen BBS. Even though I haven't bought a single Pen BBS pen this year, it's only because of the nibs. I think one of the mo most interesting trends this year, I didn't talk about this in, on my blog because I focused on like, Japan trends, but the fact that Pen BBS rolled out all of these calligraphy nibs. I have bought so many of them and they're fantastic. And I love the fact that they actually did it. Obviously, they're not the only ones doing it. Wingsong has done it. Um, Hongdian and others have done it. But I think the ones I've tried from Pen BBS have been uh, particularly good. And people have, have complained for the longest that if you buy a Chinese pen, all you really get is like a fine or medium nib or a food. You don't get any interesting nibs. You don't get any broad nibs and so on. That is no longer an issue with these calligraphy nibs. And I want to point out the interesting carved nibs that they've released yes. as well mm -hmm. to huge fan frenzy. Um, I bought two. <laughs> of course you did. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think they're really pushing the envelope as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, we haven't seen many pens from them uh, recently, new pen models, uh, but... I'm hoping to see something soon, but the nibs alone makes it my, my favorite brand of the year. But my favorite pen, or my favorite purchase this year, was actually the Ohashido. Because it has this wonderful, large 14K soft nib with kind of funky uh, um, engraving or, or stamp. It has that uh, old ebonite scent slash smell. Um, and I like the fact that it's made in Sendai, a city that has very special meaning to me. And I like the whole, there's something whimsical about Ohashiro. The fact that they don't have any models, like, or he, there's only one guy, right? He doesn't have any models. He just seems to make whatever pen he feels like making today. And there would, may, might never ever be another pen just like that one, right? That, the whole whimsical thing about Ohashiro, I think, is, there's something fun about that. Yeah. But as for my worst brand, I would have to say Platinum. <laughs> because, it, that, again, as we talked about it before, but they didn't really do anything interesting this year. And I think they dropped the ball with the Kiridas. I, I remember we talked about there, there were plans or rumors about uh, opaque um, metal versions. Instead, all we're hearing is that, is that they continue to have QC problems with the Kiridas. And um, 
and they don't seem to have done anything with it. Meanwhile, this one of the Chinese brands make another Curidas clone for a fraction of the cost, which, as far as I understand, is actually better quality than the original. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see more from Platinum. Yeah, was the Curidas last year or this year? I think it was released last year, but... Right, but they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything this year. When you mean last year? Is I mean 2020. 20. Oh, yeah. 20. <laughs> yeah. Adjusting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they... Has been a disappointment, hasn't it? And it's, it's mostly price increase, which is okay. But I feel like they, they've not done the product innovation along with it. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, Alyssa, your turn. Okay, I'm going to go directly against UCY and consider Sailor my favorite brand, <laughs> mainly because they have been able to charge higher prices without getting beat up like everybody else. I did, now you're, oh, you're shaking your head, here's a prime example. I did a video about the SE, which you didn't like, and the Amaoto, which is just incredibly, incredibly popular. They're the exact same price, but one's a Pro Gear Slim. And yet, everybody dumped on me about how Pilot, which is crazy for charging that much money, but Sailor got away with it. Sailor is selling their special editions for over $500. And, you know, everybody's dumping on Platinum for charging what they did for the Shiyun or whatever. So they've been able to wiggle, yeah, because she's over there holding her pens. <laughs> so they've been able to sidestep a lot of, I think, the heat, which I think is really, which maybe shows a real understanding of design or reading their audience well or whatever. But people don't seem to be complaining as much about their price increases as everybody else's, which I think that's a, a really good marketing. And my favorite pen would be, um, for this year, would be the Swipe. And mainly because it's affordable, it's fun, and sometimes we focus so much on all these expensive pens and all the special things they can do, and here's a pen that's, you know, under $30, and it's got like two converters and springs, and, you know, it looks weird, and you can throw it across the room, and it, like, it's fine. It's, it's a good pen. So it's not exciting, but it's, I think, really worth the money, and I think that's really good for the market. And as far as least favorite i don't have any least favorites i like all pens so yeah i'm pretty happy with it except noodlers yeah that's true but i don't, I don't think i bought a noodlers in a little while so i don't know all right yeah that's fair that's fair um and last but not least quay so i will uh, jump on what alicia just said like i think sailor uh, who is one of my favorite uh, brand of course because they do all this uh, shimmering uh, pro gear and no Rialo. I have, I haven't have any Rialo in 2020, and now I have two of them, thanks to <laughs> CY. And and one one more thing I want to add is the same. If you guys talking about Leonardo now, as the, your main thing, I think 2022 will be the Leonardo year because you did the same with Plotter last year, and I'm I have four of them now. I didn't have any plotter before, and I'm like, oh no, why are they talking about another brand uh, like I don't have yet? So the yeah, Sailor Bungo Box was my uh, brand this year because I got their two limited edition, who are fantastic, and I guess they they are strong to do this kind of. Uh, uh, they don't just sell the pen; they sell the whole atmosphere with them, and all this galaxy, supernova, uh, glittering stuff. It 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 sells very well. And 
yeah, I guess they, they were sold out very fast, almost them, compared to Chikura one, who's still available. So I think you need this kind of uh, poetry or, or story around, and people like that. And for the best pen, which is not uh, a shimmering one, uh, I have two of them. So one is the... I don't know if you can have two of best course, pens. Of course, of <laughs> course. <laughs> so one who is a very, like... Uh, um, um special one is the Moonman uh, Chubby uh, Q1. Q1. Yeah, so I really enjoy this pen. I like the fact that I can um, I changed my nibs and I, I, can, I could put one of the pilot parallel nibs inside to, to play with and do calligraphy uh, um, training with it. And it's, it's a very fun pen. I like to customize it. I put a lot of stickers on it and I change them and and yeah, it's uh, and the only thing I hate is that Moonman changed their brand name to Majon. And I really like the Moonman name because it really looked like Sailor Moon, a magic pen or magic stick. And so this is my my uh, bad uh, point. Yeah, you got to complain to Kaweco. Yeah, exactly. It's because of Kaweco. So bad, you guys, Kaweco, because now I cannot buy the other one, the wooden one. I really want the, the Moonman Q1 on wood, but it's written Majon and I don't want to buy the Majon one. And the second one is the um, uh, limited edition of uh, Pilot Ichinoki, who I got in second hand, very good price, and it's a dream to ride with. And I like the wooden um, touch uh, when I ride with it, and it's one of my favorite pen of 2021. And your worst, your least favorite. Ah, my least favorite. Um, ah, this is d- very difficult. Um. Uh, I don't have a list favorite for yeah. I like uh, I enjoy my all my pen. I guess uh, I will come back maybe in one or two weeks if I something pop up. But no, I don't have any. I think you two are cop outs. You, you don't have least favorites. <laughs> I have two favorite and name, no name list. some name some. Like I said, maybe a, a noodlers. I haven't owned a noodlers in like well, I don't know, for example, years. The the MD the MD. Um, I didn't. Pen. I didn't buy it. Yeah. What MD? Uh, I, th- I thought it was a pen. So that you... they had an MD. MD yeah. released a pen with some like I think a Bulgarian or Romanian manufacturer, and they yeah. had the the nib that curved down that they were saying was supposed to be extra smooth. It was just some like random OEM um, pen. I, I think that was. Yeah, we didn't try it. Yeah, I didn't try it. And I saw the Ferris wheel really is kind of line who looks like between the Kakuno pilot Kakuno and the Kaweko one. Like this kind of uh, pastel color plastic uh, pen, but I haven't tried, so I cannot yeah. judge. All right, all right, all right, fine, fine, fine. That that's fine. So just wanting to add to what Kwe said about uh, Majon and Moonman, and much preferring the Moonman name, and I agree, but for a slightly different reason. So the Moonman logo with a typography to me looked just like Moomin, and mm-hmm. I like that. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly, Moomin Papa. <laughs> And moving is from your neighbor, Finland, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But she wrote in Swedish, Tove, mm. because she's from a Swedish right. area in Finland. Right. Anyways, um, so that's been our, our, our look back on, on 2021. Now, predicting 2022, uh, I just want us to have maybe one prediction each. Uh, for me, um, I think there's a trend towards smaller ink bottle sizes. So I think we'll have more brands and companies that come out with smaller ink bottles. That's my prediction of the year. Jacob? 
So we have talked about how we expected glass pens to be more popular in the West and we talked in the last episode about why that hasn't really happened because of availability, all of it. it might still happen. But I think with the drill log and with the, with the Kakimori, we, we have seen that it's not really about glass pens, it's about having dip pens you can use to test and play with your inks, right? And I think I would expect to see more companies trying to do these kind of metal dip pens. And what I have in mind in particular is, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Sean Design, who has this, all the, the, the tools and the skills to make machine things to make a metal nib. I'll text him after the show. Oh man, that would be, I would just be really floored if that happened. That would be cool. So your prediction for 2022? Well, there's just about 80 million, but I agree with the smaller bottles. It's, it's, it's happening now and it's going to continue happening. All right. And, uh, and quite your prediction for 2022. Yeah, I agree with uh, what everyone said, especially for the, like we said, it's not the glass uh, nib who is important. It's like finding a way to test ink or to, to play with ink that is easily, easily like in quotes, uh, wash, washable, because <laughs> some are really difficult, the brass one, depending on the ink you try. And we, th- we talked that all this AliExpress um, a special nib that you can, like special small pen that you can bring everywhere with you that has a cap. And I think this is the new uh, trend because the glass pen itself is a beautiful object you keep on your desk, you keep in your drawer, but you don't bring it everywhere with you because it's fragile, of course. But what Kakimori made it strong is like, you can interchange these nibs, the glass, the, the two brass colors one, in any um, vintage uh, holder you have. And they are the difference with any traditional deep pen where you need to know how to write in calligraphy because there is kind of uh, uh, flex uh, or the the one battery use the, the... The brass ornamental. Yeah, exactly, the, the lettering one. You, you, you need to write in a certain way to use them because if not, you don't, you mess with them. This is the difference with this uh, brass metal uh, nibs. Like you can write as you usually write. You don't need to hold the pen differently. And I guess this w- this will be one of the most uh, uh, say, uh, blown out <laughs> for next year. And I saw a tendency for people to like want to learn calligraphy. Uh, from like uh, Western calligraphy to um, Japanese, Chinese calligraphy. A lot of books are released with fountain pen or glass pen friendly papers. Like I have the one from uh, Kyokodo. Kyokodo? Kyopodo. Kyopodo, sorry. Kyopodo. And they just released it like one week, two weeks ago. And it's a beautiful book where you just have this uh, text written and with your pen or glass pen, you you will uh, write over it and test different ink. And I saw people like, they were sold out so fast, the first release and they are getting everywhere. And I think this kind of um, stay at home activities will get uh, even more successful and, uh, and yeah, that's it. All right, any last outstanding predictions that we want to make? Can I do just one more. So we, we talked about the problem with gold prices and we talked about sailor increasing prices. Both Pilot 
and platinum, they have interesting still name offerings. Like the so Pilot has, you know, the Kakuno, they have the Prera, which is very good. Platinum has the Procyon, which is actually a really good pen, and the Preppies are much loved. Seda doesn't really have anything particularly appealing on, under, you know, um, in that price range. Um, like, if you are to spend like, like 10,000 yen on a sailor, you, you get one of those like black and gold, like wannabe gold nib pens, so the profit casual, like, that's sort of what you have, which is not nearly as interesting as the platinum Procyon. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sailor trying to create more um, interesting steel nib pen that is sort of 5,000 to 10,000 yen. What about range. their An- Ancora? Um, build your own pen that's for like 4,000 yen, right? Yeah, which is just Profit Junior, right? Except that you you put it together yourself. Um, which is sort of sort of Kakuno level. Like if you want something slightly slightly nicer, but still like think about say I mean we talk about Leonardo, like Leonardo Momento Magico for like two hundred ish dollars, maybe even less, you have this beautiful pen, beautiful acrylic with a steel nib. Sailor doesn't really have anything that competes with that. They have, but it's often a limited edition. They have the look cool that they made in in pattern uh, in uh, collaboration with uh, Mizutama, this little girl, you know, the the Hanko this uh, Hanko designer who do this little girl who has kind of a bun head, um, and they made this limited edition for um, uh, Toyo- Tohoku um, Hachimonjia. Uh, Hachimonjia sell them, but they have this Tohoku uh, cross Mizutama, and they they release already three of them for each season. So there's one missing for, I guess, next year. And they have this very cute pastel color and the nib is uh, laser engraved, mm-hmm. the senior, but it's limited to, I don't know, 100, 200 pesos. It's sold out very, very fast. You can find it on Mercari, like double, triple the, the original price. So they start, like they have it, but they don't have it in a big production. Yeah. But the Le Cool is, and it's been around for a while, I think, and that is very much a low-end pen. I think the standard one in the lineup. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I was looking for something a bit above that, and a nice steel nib pen, right? Because if you look at, if you look at the Pro Gear, and if you, if you remove the nib, what you have is a pretty plain pen compared to again compared to like like a Leonardo, right? Most of the appeal of a Pro Gear is actually the nib. I, th- I, would, I would argue. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Sailor, especially, especially if the gold prices continue to increase. See, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to create a more appealing steel nib pen. Right, and um, that's all. I said, I don't know if you want to make uh, Actually, I, I would like to say that I think we're going to continue seeing women driving the fountain pen world. Um, the Inconuma is driving the ink. It's driving it to more shimmer and driving it to the, you know, glass pens and the chromo shading. And I think also like the, the sparkly pens, that's a, a more appealing to, I think, many women. And I think, you know, we always looked at the fountain pens as being kind of crusty old guys collecting vintage pens or whatever. And, and now I think we're, we're seeing like some changes in, and I think people that will capitalize on that will do better. That, and or like the, well, you, you mentioned the Ancora build your own pen. That's predominantly women in that store. So I think we're going to continue seeing women kind of driving the industry a little bit more than I think we've really acknowledged. 
Yeah. We can see the, the switch where one year ago we were talking about like, um, what do you do? Like a lot of people who like stationery in Japan do journaling or um, uh, scrapbooking or, or pen penning, and they usually not use from ten pen that much. They use more like ball pen or roller pen. But more and more, I can see a switch, like a switch. Sorry, in the how do you say, uh, <laughs> <a> turn <laughs> in the in the habits. Like people catch, start to insert one fountain pen then two, then a glass yeah, pen, yeah, and then more inks. And we were talking, with we, we met the other day with some Station of our stationary friends, and some are like, oh, I would like to come. I would like to come to one of your pen, pens games because I'm interested, but I don't know I don't how know to any, use yeah. or I don't know how to start. And and I feel a bit, I don't know which one, which brand to buy and everything. So there is an interest, and I think they will get like more and more. They, they need to tap into that. Mm -hmm. They need to tap into that more. And mm -hmm. that's why glass pens are so popular, because it's a no-brainer on how to use them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with that, maybe I'll, I'll end it saying that we're going to uh, see probably a further divide between glass pen users and fountain pen users. A further divide? In, next year. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to see a divergence, further divergence in that. Um, but yeah. We'll see, and we'll we'll come back in 365 days to <laughs> recap uh, and uh, and find all our predictions being completely wrong. Exactly, no, co completely right. I am confident. <laughs> all right, so that's been the episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for another great year. Um, please continue to support us. Uh, in our upcoming 2022, hopefully, we'll have some interesting things lined up. And, uh, and with that said, my name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm Fudafan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at fudafan.com. And thanks for having me. Happy New Year to everyone. And my name is Kray. You can find me on Instagram at miraikat. And thanks for having me. I'm Alisa. I'm Inky Rocks on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye. bye.